Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. We apologize for taking a short leave of absence, a couple of weeks. I think it's been two weeks to the day. We're glad to be with you tonight. Thanks for joining us. We are close to the month of June, which means we are just a month closer to college football. So May is ending, June comes, and it's time to start talking some college and NFL football. I know everybody's been waiting. You know, when it ended in January, you know, it seemed like a long time away. Now it's about to be June. College football is just right around the corner, guys. It is right around the corner. I'm excited. I'm pumped up. I did buy the Athlon magazine this past weekend. I can't wait to see Phil Phil's magazine as well. But just I'm not big in preseason polls and everything. I didn't buy the magazine for the preseason poll. I bought it just to, to to brush up on who's coming back for which teams and the schedules and all that at your fingertips. There's nothing like buying a good college magazine and reading all the interesting stuff, seeing and keeping track of who's right, who's wrong, who to trust. Athlon's a good magazine. I like it. Uh, always have and always will probably. Good little magazine. The top four in Athlon, Ohio State, Alabama, Baylor, and Auburn. So the projections, Ohio State and Auburn in one semifinal, Bama, Baylor, and the other one with Ohio State and Alabama playing for the championship. We will see. But it's it's always good when your team's up there at the top. It's always good to at least know that people respect what you have, they respect what you've done. And where would Auburn be today in the preseason polls had Will Muschamp, T-Rob, and and the a guy, I think his name, I can't remember his name, for uh, for Alabama that came over as a defensive guy for some reason. I can't I can't think of his name right off the top of my head. But where would they be? You know, one one thing when you look at Auburn, they lost a lot of starters. We'll talk about this, but they do have Gus Malzahn, and Jeremy Johnson. You have to know Auburn's offense is going to be explosive. The defense is what everybody was worried about and questioning. And I'll tell you what I think about the defense, you know, tonight. We're going to talk all over the place about football, NFL, but let's start out tonight and and talk about the NBA playoffs. I'm in Atlanta, and I've been saying it all year long. The Atlanta Hawks, they're a regular season team. They're a good little team. But when it comes to playoff basketball, they're not what what you need to be in order to compete and win a series. Well, they – they won the first series against the eight seed, and that's, that's supposed to happen when you're the one. But the next series, when they played Washington, had Wall not been hurt for most of that series, I don't think Atlanta would have won that series. But here they are against Cleveland. They had home court advantage. The first two in Atlanta, they laid a big, fat egg, and it's because they don't have any stars on that team. You look at Cleveland. They all play better because they have the best player in the game, LeBron James, on their team. He elevates the play of everyone else. You look at Atlanta, tell me, who's going to take the big shot for Atlanta? Who's going to be that player that can elevate everyone around them's game? I don't, I don't, I can't name them. Corver's out for the rest of the series. I mean, he's the only bright spot that, that when you look at the Atlanta Hawks, I could, I could really honestly say that he's the bright spot. But now they're going to Cleveland tonight, game three. It's over, guys. I mean, if anybody thinks Atlanta has a, a shot to win this series, please call in. I need to I need to get your name and number and, and see why you think that way and maybe get you some medical attention. Because I look at Atlanta, and, I mean, these fans here in Atlanta are crazy right now. Before the playoffs started, now they're ready to go jump off a bridge. But it is what it is. I'm not a Hawks fan. I mean, I'm not a big NBA fan, so I'm not going to sit here and jump on the Hawks bandwagon when, they, when they're when finally decent. But, I mean, you have to 
to give kudos to the Atlanta Hawks. They made the Eastern Conference Finals. Granted, the Eastern Conference is not what it should be. I think I think Chicago and I think Cleveland are the two best teams in the East, and I, I thought that all along. I think Chicago would have been in the Eastern Conference Championship had they not played Cleveland, but. And I think Cleveland's probably a little better than – or Chicago's a little better than Cleveland. I know they didn't win the series, but I still like the Bulls and what they have to offer. But at the end of the day, here we are. One of the worst playoff series, two of them that I've ever seen. I mean, Houston's played competitive against Golden State in the first two on the road, and then they come back and lose by 100 points at home. So Curry, MVP – of the NBA is going to sweep the Rockets. They're going to be in the finals against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, think about it. I mean, that's a, that's a good series to watch because you have your LeBron James haters. They're going to be watching. You have your LeBron James lovers. You're either a LeBron, LeBron James lover or hater. There's no in-between. So everybody's going to be watching this series. People think that the Golden State, because they play in the West, they're just going to come in and and beat and beat Cleveland because they're in the East. But you have to watch out. Cleveland right now is playing great defense. They're they're getting production from some other players that are stepping up and, and loves absence. So before I would just go ahead and grant Golden State the NBA championship, let's just wait and see what happens when and if they make it to play in the finals. I I'm sorry, Houston, you're not gonna win four in a row against Golden State. You you lost on your home court by thirty points. Sorry, guys, but but Houston, you know, I, I'm disappointed that that San Antonio is not playing Golden State. I think it would have been a much better series had Golden State, or you know, had San Antonio made it. But just a little too old of a team. The Clippers, we haven't talked. We've missed a couple of weeks, so if I start going back a little bit, that's fine because I want everybody to engage tonight, talk anything you want to talk about. But the Clippers, you talk about a choke job up three to one against the Rockets. Had game six in the bag. Had it. Had it. I mean, you had a ninety-nine point nine percent chance of winning the game going into the fourth quarter, and you lose. I mean, you lose, and then you have to come back. You get a the game seven in your home court with your fans, and you choke again. So the Clippers. I'm tired of hearing about them. How great they are. Blake Griffin's a fraud. Chris Paul's a good player, but he's not a winner. I'm sorry. I, I'm just so tired of the Clippers and hearing about them. I'm glad they lost. Curry is a phenomenal player. He's going to take over the Western Conference for the next few years. I mean, he is amazing. Harden, you know, actually for Houston, he impressed me in this series, the way he played in, in game one and two and the way he just – I mean, he's a great player. I didn't give him enough credit. But, but James Harden is a great player. Too bad Dwight Howard's as soft as – is toilet paper, and the, and the good kind, not the not the cheap kind. He's as soft as a Charmin, extra soft. I mean, a big man. If I was that size, guys, you would have to, you would have to put me in a straight jacket. Nobody would touch me if I was Dwight Howard size. But you can't put five in anybody. You either have it, or you don't. Look at Bill Lane Beer back in the day, big guy. He had five in him. He would he would tear your head off. So you can't you can't put that in Dwight Howard. If you put that mentality in Dwight Howard, nobody in the NBA can stop him. But he's soft, he's he's timid, he's he's afraid of contact. And, and the Lakers, you you saw when he went to the Lakers how he played. He was terrible. Kobe hated him because Kobe liked to win. That's all he wanted to do is win. But he couldn't play with a soft big man. Shaq, he loved playing with Shaq, even though they didn't get along. You know, Shaq was going to get down there and get his and dominate the middle, but if Harden had some more support around him, I mean, I think he'd be a lot better. Curry has the support around him. But, you know, talking about MVP, how could you not give it to LeBron? LeBron James, the best player in the NBA, makes everyone around him better. You take him off Cleveland, Cleveland's not even a playoff team, not even close. They're a lottery pick. You take you take Curry off Golden State, I guarantee you they're close to where they are now. They're not too far away from, I mean, being a good team. So, I don't know. Harden, you take him off Houston, they're going to suck. So, I mean, Curry's a great player. Don't get me wrong about that. But he, he's not the best player in basketball. 
The guy weighs about 100 pounds. I'm sorry. LeBron James is a locomotive. He can move. I mean, he can do it all. So, you give me a one-on-one matchup, give me LeBron James. I'll take it all day long. If you'd like to call in, 646-716-5564. I don't know if I have a co-host or not. I don't even know if Trey's alive. Trey, if you're if you're alive out there, please call in if you'd like to. Hopefully we'll get some action tonight. But, I mean, is anybody – I mean, I'm not going to sit here and talk long about the NBA. Is, is anybody – I mean, are you tired of the NBA already? I know Jason Humphreys is. I mean, he's just – He's not really enthused about this series we're having. But I, I, I will watch the finals. I will pay attention because I want to see. I think LeBron James has a little left in the tank a couple more years. But I think you're going to see this is very important that that he wins this championship right here. And if he wins, if if, if LeBron James wins a championship this year, does that I mean, where is that going to put him? I mean, he he's played in the finals. I can't remember what six or seven years in a row. I mean, uh, that's, that's amazing. You see what LeBron James has done, and I know it's been in the East, but still, he's made it with Cleveland twice, and he's made it with Miami like four years. So, I mean, how can you not say LeBron James is the best player in the game right now? He's not Michael Jordan, and I'll never say that. He could win a championship every year from here till he retires, and he's still not Michael Jordan. You put Michael Jordan in the NBA right now, and I know Dustin Porterfield put this in their way in sports message group. You put Michael Jordan in the NBA right now, there's not a night that would go by. He wouldn't put up 50, 60 points. I mean, he played in the day where people would tear your head off going to the rim. Now, I saw a, I saw a funny foul the other night in the Atlanta Hawks game. LeBron James went to the goal. Uh, the big man for Atlanta fouled him, and it wasn't a hard. It was a hard foul, but it was a clean foul. It was a playoff foul, and they called it a flagrant. I watched the replay, and I'm like, "Oh, there's no way they could call this a flagrant." Yeah, guess what? It's a flagrant. Michael Jordan scored 40, 50 points in playoff games where he was getting mugged, he was getting beaten down, and he still come back. I mean, his endurance to be able to take that kind of punishment and win as many championships as he did, that's amazing, guys. I mean, that is amazing. How do you not look at Michael Jordan? I I don't even want to talk to people that try to compare Michael Jordan to LeBron James. There's no comparison. If you look back at Magic Johnson days and Larry Bird, people forget real quick how good basketball used to be. You watch basketball now, it's not good. I'm sorry, it's not what it used to be. When I was a kid growing up, I mean – Boston and the Lakers, that those were the, the meccas of basketball, the NBA, Bird, Johnson. You even had Detroit with Isaiah Thomas, all these teams, Cleveland with Craig Elo. And, uh, I mean, some of these, these teams were tough, physical, the Pistons, the bad boys. That's basketball to me. And now trying to watch it, there's no defense. Nobody can touch anybody. There's no strategy. It's just let's let's – Let's isolate everyone and let's go one-on-one to the hole. And if it's not there, we'll kick it out and shoot a three, and we'll do it, do it again when we come back down. So, I mean, go back. Quinn, I, I know you're Quinn's in the studio. He's a young guy. Go back and, and watch some of the Detroit Pistons basketball games. Go watch the New York Knicks. Go watch the Chicago Bulls, some of the old Lakers and Celtics games, and tell me the difference in what you see. Six four six seven one six five five six four. If you'd like to call in, like I said, we're not going to talk much about basketball tonight. Tonight's about college football and the NFL. And we'll start with. And I know we talked about Deflate Gate a little bit, but we haven't been on the air since the punishment has been handed down to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots for Deflate Gate. Tom Brady gets a four-game suspension. Four-game suspension. But let's bring on Jason Humphrey real quick. Before we move on, he may want to shed some light on the NBA. Jason, how's it going, buddy? Yeah, how are you doing, Brian? Well, doing good. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. What can What do you want to talk about tonight? Yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback on it. Your thought about that NBA being good. 80s, 80s, 90s, those teams had identities. And if you watch two thirty for 30 films, Bad Boys and the Reggie Murder one. There was no layup war during those days. You go down the lane, you get 
you get hit once or twice, especially with the New York teams, the Detroit teams, and the the Bulls teams were pretty good defensively too. So, you know. It's that defense, wasn't it? I mean, people could play defense. People could foul. And you wouldn't oh, yeah. get a technical foul or thrown out of the game. So, yeah. But the, back in the 80s, 90s, teams had identities. You don't really get this with the this year, this era of basketball because of free agency and whatnot. Can you really name a team today that has an identity of what no. they are? I can't. You can't? So. Mm-hmm. Well, t- tell me about Bill Lane here. Uh, you, you you put him in the NBA right now. What would it be? Oh, dude, Bill Lane, dude, would get so many texts of fragrant pals. <laughs> no, you, Rodman. Or the Bill Lane, dude, or um, the Oakley boys. Or um um let's see yeah remember, remember Anthony Mason? Do you remember remember yeah, Anthony, Anthony Mason, Mason for the next? Yeah. So yeah, he was a good one too. So well, well yeah. Jason, give me your prediction right now in the finals. Who do you have and who's gonna win? And why? Um, as much as the bandwagon for Gordon State is too crowded. I'll I'll go with Cleveland. Last time I checked, Cleveland still has LeBron James. I don't see anybody on Gordon State stopping LeBron James. That's a good point. He's yeah. too big. I mean, who's going to match up with him? I I don't close. see it. Like like Duncan Wong. I'm looking forward to the Curry Irvin matchup, but that's it. You know, it's, I, I think yeah. I think Cleveland wins about five or six games in five or six. So, yeah. Well, I mean, if if LeBron James wins this championship, like you're predicting, where does that put him all time? Honestly, I mean, you think about what is this is six or maybe seventh? I can't remember. Is this his seventh NBA final in a row or six? I think it's six. I think it's six. It might be five assists, but it's not seven. Um, well, I'm, I'm like you, Michael will always and forever be number one. Um, you have to put him top ten, but that's that's stressing it to say the least. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot yeah. of great players back in the day that people forget yeah, they, about people people that played yeah. that we didn't see Jason people that that played that we didn't get to see live that are so good that if you put them in today's NBA they'd run away with it yeah for sure for sure sure, sure. well i just missed the days of uh of Isaiah Thomas Gaines Magic Johnson Michael yeah. Scotty all those guys i just missed that yeah Malone Stark then that goes on and on and whatnot. And I think back then the NBA was deeper, you know? Yeah. Well, Jason, and buddy, thanks for about listening. The... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, don't forget about the Houston teams. That team was loaded, too, with Lajuan, um Clyde, um, Kenny, Kenny Smith, um, Robert yeah. Oye, um There's somebody else I'm forgetting. But, um, so... Yeah. Sure. Well, well, Jason, man, thanks for joining us, buddy. Stay on the air and listen. I'll bring you back in in a few minutes. Once we get rolling, press number one if you want to come back in, and we'll get you in. But, yeah, I mean, the NBA, he's picking Cleveland. I'm going to pick Cleveland, too. I know everybody's on that Golden State bandwagon right now, but defense wins championships, and it's not only – it's not like Cleveland doesn't have an offense because they do. They're missing one of their top players. And look at what LeBron James has led this team to. It's not coaching. It's it's LeBron James. He's put together this team. And you know what? They're playing better without Love. That's the funny thing. I I don't think Love's going to be in Cleveland anymore. I don't think he wants to be there. I don't think they want him there. But I think this team has come together and started playing better team basketball, better chemistry, now that Love's gone. I mean, 
and you know, guess what? Now the draft's coming up, and Minnesota's getting the number one pick. They're they're going to make out like bandits, getting rid of love. This team, Minnesota, is going to be a playoff contender in the next near future. I promise you that. They have a lot of star power coming. The Lakers are going to be back again. So Kevin Love will probably be the Lakers. That's where I'm going to guess he's going to be. I don't think he's any good. I think he needs to go somewhere else. I just don't think he he cannot play team basketball. He has to be the only one, like in Minnesota, they'll win about five games a year. He'll get his and get his paycheck and move on. He can't handle pressure. So, I mean, most most great athletes, most most gamers would, would play. I don't care if you, your shoulder was, was broken, they're going to still come in there and play. But I, I like Cleveland without love better than I do with love. And I would pick Golden State to beat them if Love was in the lineup. But they're not. And let's move on real quick to the NFL. We were talking about this before we went back to the NBA. Tom Brady, four-game suspension for Deflategate. The Patriots fined a million dollars, losing two draft picks, I believe. And Kraft is not going to appeal that part. But we are still waiting to see if Tom Brady appeals. The problem is nobody believes Tom Brady. Kraft doesn't believe him anymore. Belichick or Belichick, whatever you want to call him, doesn't believe him. It's bad when the biggest cheat in the NFL throws you under the bus. So, Tom Brady, if I were you, I would just take the suspension and hopefully learn from it. And, 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 and look, I've said it all along. Tom Brady, to me, didn't do anything wrong. The only thing he did wrong was lie about it. That's, that's what he did wrong. I don't think deflating a few balls is going to hurt anything. It obviously didn't affect him in the Colts game when they won by 40-something points. And it didn't hurt him in the Super Bowl when they were actually paying attention to the balls. And they still beat Seattle. So you don't have to cheat, Tom Brady. It was a comfort thing, and I get it. I mean, I'm not sitting here saying he's a cheater. He he wanted to be comfortable. It's just like, you know, in baseball you want a certain bat or you, you want a certain ritual you do. Tom Brady likes to be comfortable. And being in that quarterback position, it's it's very uncomfortable. So I look at Tom Brady. I don't think he's a cheater like a lot of people do. The media will really just tear people apart, man. You see it. This is not sports related. You just look at it. They just they're just jumping on it. The Duggar kid, the guy that made his mistakes. The media, they just can't leave it alone now. And anytime someone screws up in sports, here they are, just ready to just kill them all of a sudden. Tom Brady's the best quarterback in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. it. This doesn't tarnish his legacy, in my opinion. If you think it does, you're crazy. This does not tarnish Tom Brady's legacy, what he's done. And I'm sorry. People just hate winners. They hate people successful. They try to tear them down. And I just don't get it. I mean, I, I'm not a Tom Brady fan, but I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of somebody that knows how to win and that – is, is a winner. I'm a fan of winners. I'm sorry, but it's it's just the case. You know, you watch Alabama and, and football. You know, I don't like them, but I mean they're winners. Man, Nick Saban's a winner, and everybody hates him because of it. They're trying to dethrone him. They 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 hate the SEC because they were so dominant, and they they have a bad bowl series, and now everybody's trying to throw them away. But don't be so naive to think that the SEC is done because you just look at recruiting. You look at coaching, you look at money, you look at fans. The SEC is not going anywhere, guys. It's only going to get stronger and stronger. There's a lot of parity in the SEC, and that's just the way it goes. We're about to go into college football and talk the rest of the night because I do want to talk about the preseason rankings and things like that. But just some questions out there for people listening right now. First, with uh, Ray Rice, do you think he's going to be back and, and be successful? I don't think so. I think he's done. I think he'll pick up for a team or two, but he's never going to be what he was. How's that going to affect him? How's AP going to do this year? I mean, there's a lot going on in the NFL. The draft just happened. I'm ready to see who's ready to step up, who's ready to step back. And I think Carolina, with Cam Newton, is going to take a step forward. I think he's healthy now. He's he's mature. I think Cam understands now what it takes to win in the NFL. You can't do it all by yourself. You have to win the locker room. You have to get these guys on board. 
And if you're not on Cam Newton's bandwagon, if you're if you're a teammate of Cam Newton's right now, and you saw what he did last year, what he went through injury wise to come play, got you to the playoffs, won a playoff game, and actually played pretty decent on the road at Seattle. That's a tough place to play, but that game, that road game against Seattle, is going to be the game that really defines the turnaround for Cam Newton. I think he gained some confidence. He actually gained a lot of experience from playing that kind of defense in that environment. I think he's going to take that to this year with the weapons around him. He's going to, he's going to find some weapons. They're going to run the football. Carolina's a team in the NFL you better watch out for. I don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl this year, but I just think you're going to start seeing the steps in the right direction for Cam Newton. So I wanted to throw that out there. And Ray Rice, I, I'm sorry, guys. I, I cannot support this guy that would spit in the face of his, his fiance twice, punch her in the face. Uh, if I'm wrong, call me and then tell me. But I, I don't think there's any business, any room in the NFL for this guy. None. But let's move on to college football. This is what we do. This is what we do best. Big news in college football right now, and I know Quinn's probably wanting to chime in on this. Everett Golson leaving Notre Dame, transferring to Florida State, and it was said that he was going to go to the SEC, but there's a big stink about that. And there's a rule in the SEC that they have is if you transfer from a team and you have any kind of, you know, academic issues or any kind of arrest or anything. It has to be go to a committee and an appeal process to even get him. So it didn't even go that far. But I thought Everett Golson was going to end up at Georgia or South Carolina, but he goes to Florida State. I don't see the fit. I, I really don't see where he's going to fit in at Florida State. I'm not impressed with him anyway. If he was that good, he would be the starting quarterback at Notre Dame right now. He wouldn't be transferring. So Everett Golson to Florida State, and a lot of people think now that he's going to Florida State that they're going to be a contender to get into that playoff. I don't think so. I could be wrong, but Everett Golson, there's a lot of people transferring right now, but he's one of them that I, I really don't see the benefit. Let's see what Quinn thinks. He's a big Notre Dame-Auburn fan, so but he does follow the Irish. Just want his thoughts on this. Remember, Everett Golson was a quarterback that got trounced by Alabama his, the last time he played quarterback there. Quinn, welcome to the show. Give me your thoughts on Golson. Well, um, I think he probably transferred because he wanted to go somewhere where he for sure thought he had the starting job. And Malik there was contending with him so, for the – starting job so for his fifth year senior year I think he wanted to go somewhere for he, for where he knew, for sure knew he would start. I'm glad he didn't go to Georgia or South Carolina because I don't want him in the SEC <laughs> but uh, it, it all depends what Golson shows up Golson is very talented his biggest downfall is turnovers. If he if he doesn't turn the ball over, he's he could be really good at Florida State. Well, I know it's kind of bittersweet for you. And hey, hey, did you hear Bobby Bowden's comment on his interview last week? Might have been the week before about Florida State. Um, about Jameis Winston. That, and also about. You know, they had opportunities a couple of times to go to the SEC. And oh, Bobby yeah, I do. heard about that. <laughs> and, and they asked him, why, why didn't you want to go to the SEC? And he said, there was no way we could have survived in the SEC. We couldn't have won. We had to do it in the ACC. What do you think about those comments? Mm. <laughs> uh, well... I he would he would know more than me, especially especially back then with his teams. I wasn't following college football as closely when he was more there, but I'd say well, they were good. I would say, but they were. I'd say about teams in the past outside of the 
outside of when they won the national championship and uh, against Auburn, I'd say he'd probably be right. I mean, they were really underachieving before before pretty much they went to that Sugar Bowl against no, not the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl against Northern Illinois. So he's probably right. Well, there's a difference. <laughs> there's a difference when you play one game a year or two possibly max compared to seven. You know, there's a there's a big difference. And he knew that all he had to do was get up for Miami and maybe if they played Notre Dame, those were the two games Florida State played in Florida, of course. So they played two or three at the most teams that could possibly yeah. beat them. And in the SEC, you, you're, you're playing somebody probably most of the time that can beat you. If you play a bad game, you turn it over, you're beat. Or if you you play a tough game this week, just say Florida State played Miami in that big game, they'll have to turn around and play another team that caliber. And that's why Bobby Bowden didn't want to do it. I mean, he's smart not to do it because they would have never made as many championships. I mean, you're you're guaranteed to go play in a big game if you're Florida State with that schedule. I know you're young, Quinn, but you look at Nebraska and Oklahoma, Back in the yeah. day, too, their schedules were so bad that they would be undefeated and be putting up these video game numbers against these teams and get beat in the big game. And that's what Florida State was. They were a bully. They they liked to beat up on the Wake Forest and the NC States of the world. And they, if that had been in the SEC, Bobby Bowden's right. That had been dead in the water. Yeah. What do you think about uh, all the secondary chancers at Auburn? I don't. I don't totally I know what to think of it. I love it. And here's what happens, and I'm glad you brought that up because I, was, I would have forgotten to say this. There's some transfers, but you got to remember, there's only one player that actually was going to get any kind of playing time as a backup. That was it. Um, I think it was Moncrief, right? That's the only one. Yeah, Moncrief. But, but, but what, what happens after the spring, the coaches have a – a depth chart they put out. They don't do it till a couple weeks after spring's over with. And you see, if you if you're looking on there and you look, you're in the coach's doghouse. You're on the third team. You're on the second team. Maybe you want to get out of there because you're not going to get to play anyway. Auburn didn't lose anybody. And and, and what they did was with that with those losses at, at safety or corner, those guys that weren't going to play, all they've done was pick up a five-star offensive tackle from Texas that's going to sit out a year. They picked up another corner that's going to play immediately, and they're looking at picking up a guy from Michigan transferring. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that. He visited this weekend that's going to be able to play. Two players are going to be able to play immediately. So what they they have a plan. These coaches are smart. They're not stupid. But they have conversations with other players that are interested in transferring they clean house, and, and and this is not just the players willfully transferring. This is a meeting with the coaches to say, hey, you know, we're, we're probably going to pull your scholarship away. You're not going to get to play. It'd be in your best interest to transfer. And they let the players save face and act like it's them making the decision. These guys were never going to get to play Quinn. So if you're worried about that, please don't be, because it has no <laughs> impact whatsoever for this year. I think my biggest thing is just about how young that secondary is going to be because probably a lot of freshmen are going to be are going to be starting and having a lot of no. playing time. You think so? Well, how long? I'm going to talk to you about this. Let's talk about this. You remember uh, Trey Matthews, right from Georgia? He, yep. he was a yep. starter as a freshman. He transferred. He's playing this year. You got to remember. Let's look at the defense of Auburn coming back. You got Elijah Daniel. He got kicked off, didn't he? Elijah Daniel. You got yeah, Byron got Coward. Off. Byron Coward's coming out as a five star, so he's coming as a freshman. Yep. Devontae Lambert, uh, Dontavious yep. Russell on the line, Montrevious Adams, Swain Lawson, Kenyon Holland, Moncrief. He's gone. That's fine. But now let's look at the secondary. You still have Jonathan Jones. You still have yeah. Stephen Roberts. You have Joshua Holsey, Carlton Davis. This guy's going to be an immediate impact as a freshman. Trey Matthews, Tim Irvin, a freshman, Jonathan Ford, and Nick Ruffin. So if you think about it, all those names, those are guys that are going to be contributing right away. We haven't lost as much as you think. 
Those guys, I, I here's was, the deal, Quinn. If, if you couldn't about, play last year, if you couldn't play last year on that defense, if you couldn't get into the rotation, how do you ever expect you're going to get in now with Muschamp? If you couldn't play on the worst defense in the SEC, <laughs> how are you going to play on, on one, one the a coach that – and also, Quinn, Muschamp pushes these players to their breaking point, too. If you're not mentally tough, you're not going to make it. You're going to leave. And you, anytime you have a coaching change of this magnitude and you bring in probably the best defensive mind in football to be a coordinator – People are going to leave. It's like the Marines. Everybody's not a Marine. They start boot camp, they drop out, they fade away. Only the strong survive, and that's a that's a thing. You know, we lost a few players, but that's okay. Do we really want them anyway? Yeah, I just thought there would be more freshmen starting in the secondary than I thought until you. So I read you the names off, and 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 look, yeah, here's the difference. I've we have these freshmen, the guys. and these freshmen that they they've they've gotten the Carlton Davis, the guy that's coming yeah, from Ohio State good. that was committed. Yeah, they're Tim Irvin, Michael Irvin's his uncle. I mean, these guys are are not just freshmen. These are corners are ready to come out of high school and play. These are high caliber, and these were handpicked by T. Rob and Muschamp to play this yeah. defense. So I'm just I'm telling you, the defense this year with Carl Lawson, Montravius Adams, Devontae Lambert, and the linebackers, let's not forget Casanova McKenzie, a senior. Chris Holland's Ross, gonna be really good. Holland, yes, Holland's up to two six. Holland Holland may become one of the best linebackers in the SEC, I think, his freshman year. Yeah, and hey, I'm gonna tell you another name people forget about, Justin Garrett. He's, he's battled yeah. injuries, but he's healthy now. I mean, this defense has a chance. And if the linebackers and defensive line, you remember in 2010 when Auburn's defensive line and they had some experienced linebackers, but their secondary was iffy? I think yeah. now it could be that same thing. But if you have defensive line like Adams and Lawson and, and you've got, you bring in Cowart too, a freshman that, I mean, I know he's a freshman, but this guy's a grown man and mature. Oh, grown he's man. He, he's gonna he's gonna be one of the. I think he'll be one of the best defensive ends in the country. Yeah, but when I, when I saw and 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 you know I'm not and I'm I'm not a homer as much as as some people are, and I, but I do support my team. But when all this happened, and it just cracked me up when I saw people panicking so much about it. It's like okay, we lost some players that we're never going to get to play anyway. Okay, so all that does, Quinn, is it frees up scholarships for what you see them doing now. They're going to get a, a, a all Big Ten safety that started and led the league in interceptions in the Big Ten. He's going to come to Auburn and, and play five-star tackle yeah. that we got. It frees up scholarships. It frees up room, and they're not done yet. You're probably going to see yeah. one or two more players transfer in before the season starts. And here's another thing. Every person that signed with Auburn this year arrived on campus yesterday. Everybody's yep. qualified. Everybody's good. They're going to get an yep. extra month or two in to prepare. And so those freshmen, they're freshmen. But imagine what's going to happen in week six when you come up here and after they've already got experience. They're not freshmen anymore. They're going to be big contenders, and that's going to be the difference. Is if Auburn's going to win the SEC this year, they're going to have to have some production from those freshmen. Some of them are going to have to step up and play. Not all of them, but just a few. Um, yeah, I think uh, I know it's early, but I I think Auburn could go undefeated. I think if they beat LSU in Death Valley, and most likely in night game, where they haven't won there since like '99, I think. It's been a long time. If the, if they win that game, I think they're going to go undefeated. I think I think no, this defense is giving up somewhere around 21 points a game, which will probably put them around top 15 to top 20. Yeah, I mean, Auburn will beat LSU in Baton Rouge probably. I mean, it's just uh, LSU doesn't have a quarterback. The offense has no identity. But I'll tell you a team you got to watch out for in the SEC, and that's Arkansas. That's yeah, the I know. I circled on my calendar and yeah, look at what game. they have coming back. They have nine offensive players returning. 
They're loaded on the offensive line and running back. They do have their quarterback, Brandon Allen, coming back. He's a senior. The defense has five players coming back. But, I mean, they're going to be a lot better looking at the schedule they have at Alabama, at LSU, at Ole Miss, at Tennessee, home against Auburn, home against Mississippi State, Missouri. It's a, I mean, this is probably one of the toughest schedules in college football. It's yeah, Texas a I... Texas Tech. But my main point is if if this uh if the Auburn defense really improves and then the off, Auburn offense is the Auburn offense, this could be like the Florida State two years ago. I mean, pretty much unstoppable. Well, let me, let me here's the deal, Quinn, and and you know football, and I've learned this when I when I'm making projections in preseason. I look at three things. I look at the offensive line, number one. I look at the defensive line. I look at the quarterback. So but let's look at it. Let's look. We've already talked about the defensive line with Byron Cowart, Lambert, Montrevious Adam, and Carl Lawson. Carl Lawson not being there cost us about three games last year, honestly. And uh, he's back. Now let's look at the offensive line. We lost uh, a couple people, but we have Sean Coleman as a junior. He got pistol whipped a couple of times last year. He's going to mature. Yeah. You have to be able to play some. Alex Cozon, remember him? He was uh, yep, a big-time player that got injured, missed the entire year. He's back. Austin Golson, the transfer from Ole Miss, started as a freshman at Ole Miss. He's there to anchor that center. We have Braden Smith, Strago, is a sophomore, big right guard. Avery Young, a season right tackle. So the offensive line, to me, you look at the depth of the offensive line, the backups, Xavier Dantier, Jordan Diamond, yeah, Robert Webb. Yeah, and, and here's another little kid, Chandler Cox being that fullback. He's a freshman. They really like him to kind of play a Jay Prosh role. Cameron yeah. Petaway also is halfback. So, so those two positions, defensive line and offensive line, I like. The quarterback, and I'm not just saying this, Jeremy Johnson is going to turn heads this year to people. Oh, man, this guy is so smooth at what he does. He's a big-time arm. He can run a 4-5. And guess what? He's got Duke Williams, Melvin Ray, Tony Stevens, Marcus Davis. I mean, he's got all these weapons. So that's the receiver. Look at the running backs. Javon Robinson is going to be one of those running backs in the SEC that turns head. Rock Thomas with a lot of playing time last year as a freshman. And you, and also you can't have, forget about Kerryon Johnson. Nope. Maybe he'll play some defense, though. Maybe they'll, they're going to use him to play some defense. He's a, he's a running back, but he's also real good at the defensive position. So you look at Auburn, man, If you and, and the schedule, just not like last year. Last year was murderer's row. I don't care how deep, how talented. You play five ranked teams on the road, and, and you come out with two wins. I mean, that's not great, but, man, I mean, yeah. that's a murderer's row going to Georgia, Alabama, uh, Kansas State. Yeah. I mean, that's just Ole Miss and Mississippi State. That's, that'll kill you, especially if you don't have yeah. a pass rusher. Now Alabama gets some murderers roll this year. Well, hey, let's let's turn over and uh, and look at Alabama's schedule. Since you said that, I'm I want to see who they play and if it's tougher than than Auburn's schedule. They start out with Wisconsin. That'll be a tough game. That'll be a tough game because Wisconsin plays a good brand of football. They play Middle Tennessee. This is the month of September. They play Ole Miss. In September, they host Ole Miss and La Monroe. So, looking at that schedule, not terrible, but there's a couple teams that could beat them right there, Wisconsin and Ole Miss. Now October is going to be tough for them. At Georgia, they host Arkansas. Yeah. They go to Texas A&M, and they, they play a Tennessee team that we're going to talk about in a few minutes, Quinn. And now November, yeah. LSU at Mississippi State, Charleston Southern, and at Auburn. So, let's look at their road games. At Auburn at Mississippi State, at Texas A&M, at Georgia, neutral against Wisconsin. That is tough, Quinn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A&M is going to be tough. And to Alabama That's... could be in a bad quarterback situation. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, who are they going to play? Because I haven't I mean, heard I... too great of things about Coker. <laughs> well, 
Well, Coker, if, if he couldn't have won it last year, I just think his confidence is shot now. It's, it's, the key to being a good quarterback is confidence. You lose that, you don't have anything. And he, he doesn't have confidence. They tore him down. But but there's a team in the SEC I want to talk about, the Tennessee Volunteers. I wish Paul Ewing was with us tonight. He He, he, he hates the Volunteers. But if you look at Tennessee, Quinn, then you could They're look at them be from good. the neutral – they're going to be very good. I think they compete for the SEC East this year. I think they have the schedule. You look at it, they do go to Alabama. That's a tough one. At Florida, that's a very winnable game on the road. At Kentucky, at Missouri. Okay, look at that. There's there's one game that they're going to really have to really play above their heads to win, and that's in Tuscaloosa. But you look at their home yeah. schedule. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, they'll beat Oklahoma. They play Arkansas. I think so, too. Georgia, South Carolina. I mean, it's a tough schedule, but you have a you have a quarterback coming back in Joshua Dobbs. Your entire offensive line is back. All your wide receivers are back. Eight of your defensive players are back. I mean, you look at it. Third year for Butch Jones. Third year? Yes, it's third year. It's yeah. time. This is the, the third year is usually the year you see the big results. They made it to a bowl game last year. They whipped up on Iowa. And you look at the yeah. SEC East, Quinn, Georgia, quarterback problems and being Georgia, they could easily win the SEC East this year. I think so, too. But I it's, think it's always because, good. Because, hey. jo- because Georgia's probably all they're going to do is hand the ball off to Nick Chubb and rely on him for any offensive production. Yeah, I think you're right. And Mark Rick has been a coach. I'm sorry, but but he's a choke artist. Mark Rick can't win the big game, and he he's never been there. He's, as long as he's coached at Georgia, Quinn is 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 the hotbed of recruits for Georgia. You look at their signing classes, what they've done, Quinn. They've never played for a championship, ever. Yeah, Malzahn's been there. Uh, four or five years, he's already played for two championships. He's played in two big games and won one of them. So he's won two SEC championships. He's been a part of them. So that's the thing. Nick Saban came in, started winning championships. It didn't take him long to do that. So Urban Meyer came into the SEC, won a few national championships and SEC championships. Here's Mark Richt, a coach that's been there for 15, 20 years, still hasn't done anything. But, but Quinn, looking at the SEC this year, I mean, it's it's going to be kind of the same position as last year. It's gonna they're going to start eating away at each other, and you know maybe two could get in, one at the most, but it's just hard for more than one team to get in. Looking at the committee, but I wanted to talk real quick about Ohio State. And I don't know how much you've looked at them, and I'm still under the I'm still yeah, under the I've impression they shouldn't the even have made the playoffs last year. They shouldn't even have made the playoffs last year. They didn't deserve to be there. They got hot at the right time and they won it. But that's what I want to talk about their schedule, Quinn. I mean, look at it. You've looked at it. Tell me give me two tough games in that schedule. (laughs) I think I can only name one. Michigan State, right? (laughs) Yeah. And that and maybe that at Virginia Tech game, the first game of the season, maybe. Yeah, but that's that's it. the first game. Because yeah, it's the first game. Yeah. And and you know no, what? No, at, at Michigan, Michigan, Michigan will give them a game. So Michigan State and at Michigan. I mean, it's it's almost December before they even play a game. I mean, it's November twenty first and twenty eighth. Those two games you're talking about, but. You know what's tricky about the Virginia Tech game? Number one, it's on the road. That's a tough place yeah. to play at. But number two, sometimes revenge factor, the revenge factor can backfire on you. So you know Ohio State, ever since they lost that game, they circled the next year's game, and now they're going to be out with a bullseye on their back. Last year they didn't really have one as much. This year the defending champion going on the road, I mean, wouldn't it be funny if they lost this time to Virginia Tech again? And I, I, I would hope the committee would say, screw this, we're not letting them back in. 
They didn't deserve to be there. Anybody can get hot. Hell, you could put Arkansas in that last year at that time. Hell, they, they could have won two games. If they're hot, it doesn't mean they deserve to be there. Ohio State got in because they won the Big Ten championship in a thrown game that Wisconsin laid down for to let them run up the score to get the Big Ten in. I swear to you, Quinn, that's what happened. You telling me Ohio State's 59 points better than Wisconsin? Really? I just think Wisconsin played a really big game. I don't think it was thrown. And I'm probably one of the biggest Ohio State haters you'll ever meet. (laughs) But it was like the only way Ohio State would have gotten in is they had to win by 50 points. If it would have been a 24 to 20 game, Ohio State wouldn't be there. Yeah. And uh, and all right, well, the Athlon Sports, let's, let's look at their top ten. And I want to go over that real quick with you while you got while you're on the line. I, I do disagree with a couple. Let's start at number ten. The Georgia Bulldogs at number ten, without a quarterback, really. I mean, they they have a good offensive line. Their defense is going to be better. They have Chubb. High or low? Are they too high at ten or are they too low? Uh, <laughs> I would put them at about thirteen. Me exactly. That's exactly where I'd have them at. That's a good point. Florida State at number nine right now, and this was before Golson decided to come. High or should they be higher? Are they right or should they be down? I would probably put them at like fifteen. Yeah, I'd probably have them about twelve or thirteen around in that area. Oregon at number eight. Lost a lot. Actually, um, I think I can agree with that. Michigan State at number seven. I might put them around the eleventh. Yeah, me too. Southern Cal at six. They're a very hot team. I have some people that I've talked to said they're going to win a championship this year. I put them around tenth. Here's the one I have a problem with, TCU at five. I think they should be higher. Me too. I think they should be in the top two. I think maybe even one. I think TCU is probably the best team in the country on paper, looking at it, looking at where they play, their quarterback. TCU is at number five, and both of us agree they should be higher. Auburn at four. Uh, (laughs) I don't. I don't like Auburn being high in the preseason stuff. I'd rather have them around probably like 10 to 15. <laughs> yeah. But, well, I mean, I mean, but I mean with what they have, I would say if I was neutral, then yeah. But. Yeah, Auburn's a team they got to prove themselves again on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think people are worried about the offense. I think they want to see the defense. If the defense steps up like I think it's going to, uh, I think Auburn could be at that at the end of the year. Baylor at number three. This is the joke of the rankings right here for me. Yeah, they should be lower. Um, yeah. TCU should at least be at three, I mean, before Baylor. Yeah. I don't know why. You lose Petty. You know, you, you, you look at that. TCU brings back their quarterback. Baylor loses their quarterback. And remember, this game's going to be – in TCU against Baylor. So just looking at that game, it's going to be, I think it's in TCU, right? Yeah, it is. Um, I could look. Yeah, it is. You don't have to. It is. Number two, Alabama. I think Alabama is getting a little too much love right here because of the quarterback play and the schedule. What do you think? They should probably be like uh, fifth. Yeah. I think they should, too. And it's not because they're a bad team. They have more talent than anybody. But you look at the quarterback, you look at the secondary, and you can't discount. I want, And I want to hear some Alabama fans call in in the near future and talk about this, the schedule. You know, I heard a lot of Alabama fans was talking about Auburn last year. Oh, they shouldn't be high in the preseason because their schedule's too tough. Well, look at Alabama. Their schedule's tough, too. So I just want to see what they say. The number one team, Ohio State, 
I gotta agree. They return like everybody, and they won it last year. So, and they they and don't play anybody. Yeah, so I agree. Ohio State they can have that number one ranking in that bullseye all they want. So let's we okay. Those are the top ten. The thing is, is by by playoff time, they're going to be the freshest team too. They're going to have the freshest guys because in the second half they can. Heck, in some games, they could probably put their second and third stringers in and they would win. <laughs> yeah, but that can be a downfall, too. It's different when you're playing with a yeah. bullseye and you haven't been tested. They're not going to be tested, and that's going to hurt them when they play Alabama again or Auburn or TCU or somebody. They can punch you in the mouth. I, I, Ohio State was a – it was a – you know, you got hot at the right time. That's all it was last year. They weren't a top four team in the country. I'm, I'm sorry. They weren't. They didn't deserve that. Let's move down the poll a little bit. Look, the SEC has nine teams ranked. They have – we talked about Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia in the top ten. Ole Miss at 11. LSU at 15. I think LSU's overrated. I think Ole Miss is a little overrated. Arkansas, 16. A&M 20, Mississippi State 21, Tennessee 22. You're Notre Dame Irish at 12, Glenn. Give me your thoughts about that. Well, um, Notre Dame's a team, if they could, if they can stay healthy, unlike where they got decimated with injuries on the defensive side um, last year um, in the second half of the season, um, I think they could... uh, I think they could be in the hunt. Um, they have a couple tough games. They have to play at Clemson, then they play a, then they play USC, and then Stanford at Stanford. That'll probably be a tough game. So, I mean, they well, got a I'll few tough this. games, but I'll tell you this: Clemson ranked at fourteen. I think Clemson could win the ACC this year and surprise some people. I think they possibly, will. Possibly play in that, that four-team playoff. Look at their schedule. Walford, Appalachian State, at Louisville. Louisville lost a lot. Notre Dame at home. Georgia Tech at home. Yeah. They play at Miami, at NC State, but they do host Florida State. They go to South Carolina, which I think they can win that one. Um, I just think that Deshaun Watson is a good quarterback. Davo Sweeney starting to but, but, the, but here's the deal. They only had returned two defensive starters, four offensive starters. That could be tough, but in a, a conference as weak as the ACC, I mean, I see them going 10-2, and two, winning the conference, making it 11-2, maybe making a, you know, not a playoff, but, you know, the next tier bowl games. Clemson could have a Yeah, season. they'll beat, a, I think they'll beat Florida State. So then, so then I think if they beat Florida State, then they'll win it. I mean, unless they really did a choke job, but. Well, I'm going to I mean, just say they lose to Notre Dame. Say they lose to Miami. I mean, that's still just two losses. As long as they beat Florida State, they'll they'll be in there to be able to win it. They're going to lose a couple games. They're not they're not going to go through undefeated. I just don't see with losing that yeah, many I don't starters. That I, don't, I don't see it. Yeah, and Notre I Dame, either. I think, is going to be better this year. I think Notre Dame's got a chance to to be better. I like yeah. the coach. Yeah, that Texas game that'll be a tough game, but first game of the year. Where is that game being played? It's at Notre Dame. Playing Texas, the first game in Notre Dame. That'll be a good yep. one. But I think Notre Dame will. Notre Dame will probably be about a three or four point favorite in that game if they win it. Yeah, it's a night game too. Well, anything else in the college football you want to talk about? Just kind of an overview tonight. Just kind of hitting some high points and and looking at the committee and what, what do you think about the the committee wanting to change the playoff games to December thirty first instead of January first? Um, I mean, I don't really have a problem with it. Now, if you're a traditionalist and really like it on January 1st, then I'm sure there will be a lot of people griping about that. But 
I actually have no problem with it being on New Year's Eve. I do, because I have to work yeah. New Year's Eve. Huh. Yes, I don't. I don't want to miss it. You need those. January first needs to be the two playoff games. I, I have no idea why the committee, why they would want to move that to to December thirty first. Why people go out at night? A lot of people, probably seventy percent of the country, are out drinking and partying till midnight. So maybe maybe that's what they think. They could get more people out doing that and watching games at bars. And guess who that brings more business to? The bars. The bars will probably be loving it. The restaurants. Yeah, but, I mean, you're going to have to play one of those games at, like, 5 o'clock on New Year's Eve. Another one will be, like, 8.30 or 9 o'clock or something. I just don't think people are going to be able to do that. A lot of people travel around that time, and they I mean, they get to their destination or where they're going to be January 1st to be able to watch it. But the Rose Bowl said no. The Rose Bowl said no matter what, they will not change that and because they're the granddaddy of them all, whatever, the Rose Bowl. But Army and Navy is not moving their games either. They're going to play their game after the selection show. So I don't think Army and Navy ever thinks about getting into the playoffs. But you would think if they were serious about making the playoff, they would change their game because the committee's not going to put them in if the season's not over. <laughs> yeah. I'm but, guessing I mean, they not... never think they'll get in. <laughs> yeah, they're never going to get in. They're never going to get in. But uh, also transferring in college football, Texas A&M ex-quarterback Kenny Trill. Kenny Hills transferring to TCU. Oklahoma running back Keith Ford's going to A&M. So there's a lot of people starting to move around. Um, yeah. And I have to give special tribute tonight. This is this made me very happy. Penn Wagers has decided to retire. He's one of the most crooked, corrupt officials in SEC and college football history. He's decided to retire since he's made so much money throwing football games. He's got enough money to retire on. Quinn, what do you think about Mr. Penn Wagers calling it a career? I actually, I don't really really remember who who that one was. Well, he's been in some. Here's the. Let me give you a little. You know, just a little review, real quick. Penn Wagers in 2007. He was the man in charge when the, when the defending national champion Gators were embarrassed in the cocktail party when they, the benches emptied and all those unsportsmanlike conduct. He was the official in the Arkansas-Florida game when they screwed Arkansas and gave Florida the win right there. And uh, in 2013, Penn Wagers in the Georgia game, he assessed an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Mark Rick and it was his first one ever. I think that was uh, the Auburn game. Remember that one when he touched the official? I and think then I he, may he have. Screwed, he screwed Arkansas last year against Alabama. I mean, he's just always – Auburn's always had issues with this guy. I can just sit here and just count and write them down and probably give you about 20 times where Penn Wagers has screwed somebody up. I mean, it, when you're an official, you've got to be – You've got to be, you know, if if you're in a controversial call every time you're in a big game, every big game that's played, you're you're determining the outcome of it. There's a problem, and that's what people don't realize. I mean, you you, you don't know him because you probably don't look for stuff like that. But I've seen some big games where Penn Wagers has determined the outcome by blowing a call. And that's not how yeah, it should be. I, I, yeah, like, I don't really pay attention to, like, the rest names. Like, I'll notice a bad call, but, like, I don't really pay attention to what the guy's name is who, like, blew the call. Yeah, well, I do. <laughs> I know. Penn Wagers, thank you for finally retiring. I, I hope you go broke and, and never work again anywhere. He's, he's just a terrible awful human being. I'm sorry. But Quinn, man, right now the Hawks up 48-47 to 47 in the second period, almost halftime against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't think, I don't think they're going to beat Cleveland tonight, do you? 
Well, Kyrie Irving is out, so they might. We'll see. Well, we're going we're gonna to call it a show right now. Thank you for joining me and everything. We're going to be back to our regular scheduled shows soon. We're going to go back to our two nights a week before long. Right. We've just got to get, get through June and everything, and we'll start how pumping about, out the... How is it going to work when you have a... Uh, when you have your baby. I don't know, man. It's just going to have to happen. We're going to have to still do the show. Okay, because I didn't know if you would take maybe a, a couple weeks off. and then, But then that's going to be like July, so then I, I didn't know if you'd want to if you'd wanna have a couple weeks off. So. Well, it's rally. Yeah, it'll be July 30th around that time, so we'll have one month before college football. I will. We'll probably at least do one show a week, uh, two-hour okay. show. Yeah, I'm not gonna shut it down. That's their peak time of of sports talk radio, right there, getting ready for college football. But I'll be able to juggle it. I have a wife. She can she can watch him for a couple hours while we do the show, and then I can watch yeah. him after that. So I'm excited about that, Quinn. Thanks for bringing that up, man. Yep. My life's about You're to welcome. change. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right, man. Thanks for joining me tonight. We'll be back next Sunday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Take care, Quinn. Have a good week, bud. Yep, you take care, too.